that mentoring us through life was God's plan from the beginning. And he does that through Scripture. And we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. You see, God uses the lives in Scripture as a way to mentor us. And so today we're going to look at the life of Abraham and see what God wants to teach us through Abraham's life. And we're going to ask three how will I know questions. Just like Whitney. Three how will I know questions that will help guide us through today. We're going to look at Genesis 22 verses 1 through 14. Uh, But first I want to ask you if you've ever been asked to do something... And you've not known why. Maybe your boss asked you to do something and you don't see the payout, either for the company or for you. And so you're not sure why you're doing that. Or, you know, maybe you're asking really significant questions in your prayer life. And you're trying to discern God's voice. Maybe you're in transition and you don't know where you'll end up. You know that something new is coming and something now is coming to an end, but you're not sure where that's going to be and so you're stuck in the middle. I know that feeling. I've, I've felt that way when, when my wife and I moved to Miami uh, in 2009. Uh, we were so excited, and we had an apartment booked, a lease signed, and we were just so pumped to go down and live in South Florida in Miami. And about two weeks before we moved, the landlord called us, and they said, oh, the rent has actually gone up. I'm like, wait a minute, we've got a lease. And oh, yeah, that's okay, we can, we can negate the lease if you don't want to pay more rent. We're not going to hold you to the lease. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we did some research and we found out that that's really typical in Miami. For the landlord to say, you know what, we're just going to raise the rent or let you out of the lease. And we just really wanted the apartment. So we did a little more research and we found a more reputable uh, apartment complex. And we were able to secure apartment 103. And so here we were, and, and this one, it was great. It, the, the apartment didn't have a view of the water, but it was right on Biscayne Bay in Miami Beach. And so we had access uh, to the water. It was fantastic. I was so pumped. And we packed up everything in our little white Ford Escort. And we drove down I-75 forever. And then we interchanged to I-95, and we were halfway there. And we finally got down to Miami, to this apartment complex. And we went to the leasing office, and we were so excited, and we saw the the agent that we had talked with on the phone. And um, as she's looking through our papers, she's looking at these, and she's going, oh, um, there seems to be a problem. We double-booked apartment 103. And he moved in this morning. And so there we were in Miami with everything in our little escort. And 
we didn't have a place to stay. And so we're pleading with the, the leasing agent and uh, we're saying, what, what can be done? What can we do? Where can we stay? What, what room do you have available? We can stay in a room for a little while until one opens up in our price range. Or what, what, can, what can happen? And they said, well, we have one that is the same layout. It's apartment 303. Same cost, but it doesn't open up for two weeks. And that's all we have. So we had two weeks where we had everything in our escort in the parking lot. And we decided to move into a hotel. We had no place to go. All of our friends were in the Midwest. Our family was in the Midwest. We were in Miami with nothing. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever been in that transition where something now is ending and something next is not there yet, you know the feeling. And it's not a fun feeling. And we see this in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. He asks Abraham to pack up and leave. But he doesn't give him a destination. And what does Abraham do? He packs up the next day. The next morning, he gets up, packs up, and leaves. He's going without knowing. And he does it because God asked him to. See, Abraham followed God's voice even when it was hard. And we see in Genesis 22 another instance of this. After these things, God tested Abraham. And the word there, tested, in, in Hebrew, it's nisa. And it, it basically, it, well, it doesn't mean to entice to do wrong. What it means is to prove the quality of. And so God testing Abraham is not enticing him to do something wrong. It's to prove the quality of Abraham's faith. And then God said to him, Abraham... And he always responds with this really quick answer. Here I am. Abraham, here I am. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On the mountains I will tell you about. So again, he's not giving him the destination of which mountain Abraham's going without knowing. So Abraham got up early in the morning saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men, servants, and his son Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I'm sure you're reading the story and you're thinking, this has got to be something that's very hard. God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son. But there's some backstory that we don't know about too. You see, when Abraham was 75, God promised to make a great nation through his son that he didn't have yet. Now, I, I think about this sometimes and I think, well, if I was 20 and God promised me a son... I might expect that son to arrive in the next 15, 20 years. If I were 40 and God promised me a son, I might expect that son to come in the next five years. 
If I were 75 and God promised me a son, I'm going to expect that son's coming quickly. (laughs) Right? It took 25 years. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. I like to think of my my grandfather. He was um, 95 or 96 years old when he died. And up until the day he died, he always had the same response uh, for this question. And I I watched as nurses uh, would ask him, Six daughters and no sons? Not yet. (laughs) He was still waiting. I don't know what grandma thought of that. So this is going to be a very hard thing for Abraham. He waited 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. And now God is saying, take that son and offer him as a burnt offering. This is a very hard thing. And and Abraham is following God's voice, even when it's hard. And you know what? He even says this. He says, here I am. He's ready. He's eager. And he gets up early the next morning and goes on this journey. A three-day journey. He got up early and he went. He's following God's voice even when it's hard. Maybe this is why God gave you Abraham as a divine mentor. Maybe you are asking tough questions in your prayer life and you're trying to discern God's voice. Maybe you're asking where you should apply for college. Maybe you're asking how you should love your parents through a difficult time as they go through that divorce. Or how should you respond to that conflict at work? Or what do you say to your brother when he shows up after 12 years and acts like nothing happened? brings me to my first how will I know question. How will I know God's voice? As it says repeatedly throughout Genesis, Abraham got up early and he spent time with God. He spent time with his divine mentor. That's how Abraham knew God's voice well enough to listen immediately and obey it. So how will you and I know God's voice? We have the same opportunity. We have the opportunity to be mentored by God. We will know God's voice by spending time with our divine mentor. If we continue in Genesis 22 and verse 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over here to worship, over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on. And one of the things I want to focus on in this passage is right there in, uh, at the beginning when he says to his servants, you stay here. Isaac and I are going to go over here and worship. And we'll be back. God was asking him to go over there and sacrifice his son. But he knew God's promise. He knew that God had promised to make a great nation through Isaac. And so he knows we will be back. And he tells Isaac, when Isaac's trying to figure this out, says, God will provide a way. God will provide a lamb. Abraham trusted in what God had promised. And maybe this is why God has given Abraham as a divine mentor for you. Maybe you're wondering where God is or why He's allowed you to go through so much pain. Maybe you're wondering why you've had so much difficulty getting pregnant or finding that job. Or maybe you feel completely alone. Brings me to my second question. How will I know I can trust God's promises? You see, Abraham spent time with his divine mentor, learning his voice and interacting with him and knowing that God follows through. It may take 25 years, but God follows through on his promises. Abraham knew that because he spent time with God. And you and I have that same opportunity. We have the opportunity to be mentored by God. And that's how we'll know we can trust in His promises. By spending time in His Scripture. We also learn in this passage that Isaac isn't a baby. I've, I've always just, for whatever reason, thought that Isaac is a baby in this passage. But we see that he carries the wood. Abraham lays the wood on Isaac to carry up the mountain. All right, that's not a baby. Um, we see that he speaks to his dad and reasons. We're going to here to have a burnt offering, and I see the wood, but I don't see the lamb. What's going on? He's figuring this out. He's not a baby. In fact, most scholars put him in his late teens or his early 20s. His late teens or his early 20s. For today, we're just going to say, let's say 20. All right, we'll meet in the middle. So he's 20 years old. That puts Abraham at 120. Because Abraham was 100 when he was born. How many in here are 120? First service, we had one. So I think he was joking. In verse 9, we see this. When they arrived at the place God, that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And I love this. There's no delay tactics ever with Abraham. He's immediately, here I am, next morning he's going, and right here, when he arrives, he builds the altar. I'm just saying, if it were me, 
I'd have a tough time doing things quickly if I were in this situation. So here he is, he arrives, he starts to build the altar, and he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. That one might have been a little quicker than the rest. And then he said, do not lay a hand on your son or do anything to him, for I know now that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by his horn in the thickets. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. I love this imagery here. We see Abraham, who's 120 years old. And we see Isaac, who's 20 years old. By general rule, when they collide physically, the 20-year-old wins. But here, we see a 20-year-old who's reasoning out the situation. We are the only people here. There is no lamb. There's going to be a burnt offering. I see the wood. The knife is there. What's going on? And then Abraham approaches him with the rope to bind him. He's 20 years old. Abraham's 120. I guarantee he could be out of there as quickly as he wanted and get away from this. But he chooses to stay. Why? If we ask our divine mentor why he chose to stay, we will see that Abraham, for the last 20 years, has been mentoring Isaac. Abraham has been mentoring Isaac. And if you're anything like me, occasionally you'd let those words slip and, you know, that eight-letter word, and your son repeats it immediately three times. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Because children emulate their parents. And so for 20 years, Abraham mentored Isaac to spend time with God, to obey God, to be faithful to God. And we see Isaac here being obedient to the point of being bound and laid on the altar. And yes, this is foreshadowing Jesus Christ who is obedient to His Father to the point of death. Isaac had been mentored by Abraham for 20 years. Abraham was an example to him. You are an example. You are an example to your co-workers. 
You are an example to your neighbors. And you are an example to your children. And just like Isaac, Abraham placed a high priority on meeting with his divine mentor, with God. And Isaac did too. The priority that you place on meeting with God will be very similar to the priority your children place on meeting with God. The priority you place on being involved within a body of believers, within a church, will be very similar to the priority your children place on being, com- uh, being in a, involved in a community of believers. The priority you place on reading, the priority you place on financial planning, the priority you place on binge watching, the priority you place on being kind to others, even on the road, this will be very similar to the priority your children place on all those things. Because you are their mentor. Choose it or not. Abraham mentored Isaac. And Abraham mentored us to be obedient to God and to be faithful. I want to ask the band to come forward as I close. You know, maybe you don't have children. Maybe you feel compelled to be a mentor to someone else, even if you do have children. Maybe you feel compelled to be a mentor in our children's ministry with Pastor Becky. Maybe you feel compelled to be a mentor in our worship arts ministry. Maybe you feel compelled to be a mentor in our student ministry. Having spent a lot of time there, I can tell you we do need mentors in our student ministry. And I don't say that because there's a bunch of rotten teenagers up there who need a mentor. Needing a mentor does not mean you're bad. Everyone in this room needs a mentor. Everyone in this room has a divine mentor through God and through Scripture. And yes, it helps to have someone who's older and wiser and has walked some of this before to be a physical mentor here too. Maybe you're feeling compelled to be a mentor and you're not sure how. That leads me to my last question. How will I know how to be a mentor? If we look at the life of Abraham, we see that Abraham spent lots of time with his divine mentor. And that's exactly how he modeled to Isaac. To be a man of great faith and obedience to God. We have the same opportunity to spend time with our divine mentor. 
So how will we know how to be a mentor? By spending time with ours. Whitney asked, how will I know? Today we looked at three questions. How will I know God's voice? How will I know I can trust in God's promises? And how will I know how to be a mentor? The answer to all three of those is by spending time with God. I have one question for you. Are you willing? Are you willing to spend time with God?